Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Collinson, worldwide leaders in loyalty creating and orchestrating loyalty initiatives and programs for some of the world's biggest brands in travel, retail, and financial services. Doing it globally for over 30 years. Want to know more? Go to collinsongroup.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. With a focus on some of the most interesting ideas, innovations and insights coming from the Asia-Pacific region. My guest today is Dan Cantorna, whose background includes over 15 years in loyalty marketing, automation, integration, business intelligence and advanced analytics for global enterprise organizations. Dan is now the Vice President of Data, Insights and Technology with Collinson's Asia-Pacific team based in Hong Kong. In today's discussion, Dan showcases some of the fascinating insights and loyalty innovations emerging from both China and the Asia-Pacific region as a whole. A market he described as a crystal ball to give us loyalty marketeers an insight on consumers' increasing expectations as our world becomes more and more digital. Dan also shares some of Collinson's latest projects, reimagining loyalty programs for brands like Mandarin Oriental Hotels, specifically for the Chinese market. So, Dan Cantorna, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hello, thanks for having me. Great. Are you joining me today from Hong Kong? I am not in Hong Kong today, but I am usually based in Hong Kong. Today I'm, I'm in London. I'm, uh, oh, I'm on a business trip. Beautiful. Okay. Well, I think I might have said to you before, Hong Kong and the whole Asia Pacific region to me is incredibly exciting. So I've been looking forward to speaking to you for a long time and hearing about all of the amazing work you're doing there with Collinson. So to kick us off, please do tell me, Dan, what is your favorite personal loyalty program? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, unfortunately, it's going to be one that I'm sure you've heard before. Um, it's, I think Amex uh, has really got one of the best loyalty offerings globally as a customer that I've experienced having lived in many places in the world. Mm. Um, it's probably one which is that, yeah, it's a bit dull because... A lot of people probably reference it, but you know, but the fact that I think they've got they've really nailed all of the elements of reward and recognition mm-hmm. uh, in, in in a really good and strong way. You know, you've got entry to lounges, you can convert those points to an air miles of your choice. So it's not you're not locked into any one particular airline. You yeah. get discounts on dining, you get discounts on experiences, you get status. You know, I've been in events in the US where there's an Amex lounge or an Amex stand and you can get special privileged access to go and, you know, do work at a conference where 
you know, you just have to flash your Amex card to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just one of those, it's one of those programs where it continuously surprises me the value that you gain back from the program beyond the boundaries of what you think it is. Yes. So for me, that's why I think it's great. Um, obviously, there are lo- loads of other ones in Asia, which I think do individual things very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of one with global reach, breadth, depth, and scale, yeah. Zamex for me. So that's a great example to kick us off. So you clearly know a lot about loyalty, Dan. Tell us all about your, I suppose, career in the industry so far. Yeah. So I, I'm currently vice president for data insights and technology um, with Collinson in Asia Pacific. And Collinson is a global leader in loyalty benefits and travel experiences. Yeah. Uh, we provide services, products, and capabilities across three main sets. So we've got loyalty customer experience, which is all about building the experience and the, the dialogue and the communication with the customer. Mm. We've then got loyalty commerce, which is the way that people interact and use their points through earn and burn. Yeah. And then we also are um, one of the probably one of the biggest global provider of loyalty travel benefits and mm. that ranges across a number of different areas where we support over 1400 financial services institutions with um wow. you know things like access to lounge flight yeah. delay um and, and then various various loyalty benefits that they can then the, they support to their customers so that's mm. where i am now um in the sands of time uh, i started off in the early in the early early days i was uh um i worked on some of the really kind of pre broadband attempts to do real time loyalty so i worked on <laughs> wow. um, one of my first projects was working on pulling in data for nectar in the uk so in integrating that data from your when yeah. you're still paying for your for your shopping yeah getting, getting that data back into the servers to calculate your points and back then when the internet was you know it took 15 minutes to load a picture yeah uh, that was a tall order <laughs> so, um, That's so funny. I've, I've bounced yeah. around in the data tech space of loyalty for quite a a number of years over 15 years and I've sort of along the way I've picked up a few skills around the marketing aspects and the strategy yeah. um but my, my I say my core skill set is really around the it's the making it happen piece okay. uh, working with my colleagues who have the, the great ideas and yeah. then trying to make those a reality with the you know with the 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 simple tools that we have the the, yeah. the, the the chisels and the clay tablets that have then got to turn that into exciting <laughs> experiences. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sounds like you've a real lifelong passion for loyalty. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really interesting space. I mean, from a from a data perspective, as a data as a data professional, you know, loyalty is amazing. It's it's one of the the yeah. best ways to really truly understand the needs and the wants of your customer and to try to, yeah. to be able to, to, to target, personalize and address those. So for me, sort of seeing the evolution of that over the last, even the last five years, I'd say we've gone into sort of accelerated overdrive where now we're trying to, you yeah. know, we're trying to predict people's emotions and that's amazing from a, you know, just from a, what you buy and what you spend your money on, we, we can tell what kind of, Wow. emotional state you're in that's uh you know that's a phenomenal <laughs> amount of progress from, from oh you know 
two for one or three for two but back in the old days <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah absolutely brilliant wow so uh, so data definitely dan i mean it's obviously something that um as an industry we obsess over um and rightly so i think it's the fundamental reason that most of us can justify i suppose the investment in loyalty at the very beginning at the outset and with that explosion i suppose of data I suppose, what kind of um, demands or, or inquiries or interests are you finding coming through? And I think I'm particularly interested in your perspective from Asia Pacific, Dan, because, you know, I do think that, um, you know, certain countries there are so far ahead of us in yeah. terms of what their capabilities are. So you probably have amazing insights of things that are happening there that the rest of us haven't seen yet. Sure. I mean, um, well, let's we'll start. Let's start with China. So. You know, China is the most digital native yeah. economy experience, like place you can go. You know, people are so heavily integrated into their, um, you know, digital into their day-to-day -day lives. And so they have very, very high expectations of brands. And they not only, they don't want to interact with a company, they want to interact with a brand like it's their, the same way they interact with their friend. They want to be able to have that, you know, element of, dialogue community understanding yeah. and to really to get to that kind of depth of 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 relationship with an, with a person as a company you really need to know a lot about them you really need to, uh, to be picking up on signals so you know personalization is absolutely critical and if you can't get your data in order you haven't got a hope in getting that right um, and what we've seen is the pandemic has definitely created like um, an accelerated wave everywhere else around the world, driving this forward in the same direction, where mm. that consumer expectation is no longer, I don't want to interact with a brand. People do business with people and they want the brand to feel like a person. So when I talk to you, I want it to feel authentic, like a human interaction. Yeah. And, you know, you, 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 you must know, you know, when you contact, say, customer service and you're getting that robot that's like, please say what you would like and then gets yeah. it wrong four times, yeah. that's incredibly frustrating. So, so yeah. where we're starting to build, you know, um, and that's that will lead into my second theme, which is AI, where you're trying to add things like AI into your workflow and into your loyalty programs, you've got to get it right. And you've got to get it right by understanding what your customer wants. Yeah. Uh, so these two things go hand in hand. Um, yeah. So so that's those are kind of the, the the two the first two. So once you you first of all need to have sufficient data to know your customer well enough to be able to personalize rewards, recognitions, and and the dialogue you have with them at every step, every touch. That's yeah. foundational. From there, you then want to add AI through the customer journey. So when yeah. you're building that dialogue, you know, you, you you can't have humans picking content for this anymore. You need to have the scale uh, yeah. to, be able to deliver this to so many different individuals that you really do need to have AI baked into your customer journey. Mm. But you've got to get that right. Uh, you know, having having a robot that can pick from 10 answers yeah. or from 10 solutions is is not the solution it's it's not really solving our problem it's just automating something which people already find irritating yeah so it's getting ai right again is you're having the right strategy around that yeah two other things which i'd say are more 
slightly further down the horizon, which we see already in China, but we see coming out of China, mm. are um, pay-to-play loyalty. So um, China has a lot of in-the-moment interactions where people want to interact with a brand in the moment and they are willing to pay to access or unlock status or benefits or pieces of a loyalty program uh, which they may not be, they may not have, you know, earned enough points for yet or earned enough status for yet. So mm. having a pay-to-play loyalty component to your program mm. is very common in China. Nice. Um, and in yeah. the West, it's we we resist we resist it, and there's a lot of um, people saying things like, "Oh, well, then you're just making it." about pay you know you're just unbundling loyalty and it's you're really Mm. kind of breaking loyalty by allowing people to pay for things but what we're finding is is that if you get it right if you get the blend right where there's the right amount of reward recognition that can be earned Mm -hmm. and the right and the right set of benefits that can be paid to unlock Mm. almost like a almost like candy crush where it's a freemium game right so you can keep playing for free but you can also pay to get some extra gems, right? And that's that's what we see a lot of um, and, and, and becoming a lot more commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, sorry, I know it's a long answer. Yeah, finally, okay. it, it's the evolution of digital is leading to more and more rich experiences. And so we've all heard lots about the metaverse and augmented reality yeah. NFTs and people see that as this kind of at the moment it's being perceived as this really far off in the horizon you know I've got to go into a 3D world with glasses on mm. but this stuff exists already today you know metaverse interactions where you know I can have a character that can go into a virtual store and shop around and talk to a virtual assistant about yeah. what I want to buy. These yeah. things are real and exist already, and they don't need any special technology. They're just just a phone. Mm. Um, so, so taking the experience beyond just um, you know, here's a picture, or here is you know, here's a piece of text. You know, video yeah. content, KOLs. It's adding layers and layers and layers and depth to the digital experience for the consumer mm-hmm. um, that we see is is becoming more complex yeah. um, month by month, year by year. It's utterly fascinating, Dan. And I, I suppose my first question on all of that extraordinary opportunity for brands is, is that, you know, I suppose, dependent on having, you know, the infrastructure of a WeChat, for example, like the, the super apps that can support, you know, extraordinary experiences like that? Like, do you think it's unique to China right now? Or do you see other markets in APAC or even elsewhere around the world starting to actively, you know, engage with these kind of concepts yes so absolutely china has a huge head start in so much as they have the super app which is wechat which allows you to do all of that stuff through one single pane of glass they absolutely have that as a head start Mm. um in other parts of the world in other parts of apac we're seeing pieces of it coming together so um a very common um, scenario which we're seeing now with loyalty is WhatsApp kind of concierging, some simple WhatsApp e-commerce type experiences. Similarly yeah. with Instagram uh, and in some parts of Asia line, uh, 
Um, we also see um, that the banking apps and financial services mm-hmm. are trying to become super apps, but for mm-hmm. a specialised purpose. Yeah. So through your banking app, you can now go shopping with discounts. Uh, you can yeah. tap into partners. You can earn through your. You can bind your favourite you know frequent flyer program to your to your banking app uh, and those those can partner collaborate so those kinds of things are coming together in a mm. slightly more sophisticated way than you know historically you just had the co-branded credit card now yeah. you've actually got some kind of co-branded um interfaces through through your app Super, super. And I've talked a lot about WhatsApp on this show, Dan. It's definitely the one that I, um, I suppose, as a consumer, most excited about. And I've seen just a lot coming out from Meta, uh, who obviously own WhatsApp just in the last even three or four weeks, Dan. I don't know if you've seen it yourself, but, you know, there is an appetite, I think, you know, at the platform level to support loyalty practitioners I think like us who want to be creative and want to have these levels of innovation so I think it's going to be a super exciting time and what I really also was wanted to ask you Dan in that um, in fact there's lots of things that you mentioned that I'm super curious about but the one that you mentioned about pay to play that almost sounds and just correct me if I'm wrong it sounds almost like a hybrid between our traditional free programs and a full subscription for all benefits almost like you know people can opt into a selection of as you said unbundled loyalty benefits just in a moment if they're feeling impatient or you know they need to top up is that is that what you're saying absolutely yes so let let me uh give you a good scenario so in the in the context say of a hotel uh i might have already within the loyalty program i may have some enough status that i can access a free night Mm -hmm. but when i arrive at the hotel i may want to um pay down to also upgrade that to a superior room Mm. and that may be with the tier up from where i'm at but i can Mm -hmm. say look here i'll put down a certain amount of money combine combining that with my reward or with my existing status to get me to that next level up mm. or it could be um that you want to unlock say, say for example i want i just want to unlock access to a lounge at an airport because i'm about to travel and that's not part of my i don't have that within my tier but i'm just going to pay for instant access that's one of the benefits in that in the next tier up but i'll pay to access that one benefit just here and now in the moment yeah yeah lovely yeah and as you said you know data underpins all of it um and what i do like is when a brand does know what to offer me you know in terms of something that i might want to avail of so even if it is on a paid basis you know i think that's a really nice idea that i haven't really thought about before yeah and i think it's a tricky one uh because we we often think about uh, the complexity of the program. If you start allowing people to pay for individual elements and individual benefits, yeah, it, it starts to make the program complex. That's of course, true. it does. Yes. it does. But um, yeah. but it, it's where the consumer demand is going. It's the ability that yeah. I I yeah. want it and I want it now. Yeah, and you know, if you can fulfil that need, there's a huge amount of value that you can gain from that. 
Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Dan. I suppose, you know, it is a, a fine balance between keeping the program simple enough to get people engaged and educate themselves along that journey um, at the same time allowing us very complex solutions for them because, again, we're all getting very demanding as consumers. But I suppose if we have the underlying data in place, um, it's possible to plan for. But I still find that a lot of companies struggle with the complexity of capturing and optimizing their data, Dan. What's your experience uh, working, I suppose, again, different regions around the world, but predominantly in APAC? Do you think yeah. people have their house in order in terms of the, their data set? Uh, sadly, no. Um, oh. <laughs> we, 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 I was we, hoping we, they would. <laughs> we, we, we regularly run some research with um, a large number of loyalty leaders across the region. So we talk to loyalty leaders in Hong Kong, Singapore and Australia. Okay. And we ask questions, these exact questions. So we ask a thousand brands, what's the most important thing or, or you know, what, Talk to us about what you're trying to do with loyalty. And they're saying, well, we would like to use data to identify our loyal customers. So say 300 out of 1,000 want to do that. And we say, all right, great. So you guys are really on the money. You're trying to identify your loyal customers. How many of you guys, how many of you guys have considered that once you've identified those customers, you then need data to know what to reward them with? Mm. And only a third of those people have considered that. Wow. And then we asked the question, how many of those? Th so now we're down to say 100 companies out of 1,000. Yeah. How many of you guys have considered that you need, that maybe you have underlying data gaps to identify the customers in the first place? Mm. And it turns out that only about 8% of businesses have thought through the whole concept of wow. identifying loyal customers requires cover uncovering the data gaps we have in our um, collection methodology. So, so very few brands, while many brands have identified the, the, the mega problem, the big problem, yeah. very few have kind of got the strategy that will lead to the results that they're trying to obtain. So that's often where we find we find ourselves stepping in as Collinson mm. to advise and that's usually one of the first conversations we have with with our um clients is to say where is where are you at with your data story yeah is, you know, what's your strategy what are you collecting what are you doing with it um and and often we ident very quickly identify that you know the, the the opportunity to personalize is very limited because you are not collecting the right things yeah. Uh, about your customer. And would the aptitude be there? I mean, it sounds like, you know, as you said, a lot of people, first of all, you know, understand, okay, yes, it's an opportunity if we want to personalize, but is it coming, would you say, at the C-suite level where there is maybe a bigger vision of the potential for personalization? Or would you say it's coming from the likes of us as loyalty practitioners? So that's another, uh, that's, that's an interesting one. So uh, we see that the vision exists and the loyalty professionals have the belief in what they would like to achieve, which is what we've yeah. been talking about. It's when you then talk to the 
the people who are responsible for achieving and activating the results, mm. they are a lot more pessimistic about oh. they, what they're doing. Okay, okay. so okay. I think there's definitely a gap between the vision and the delivery. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and one of the things which I'm a huge advocate of is that loyalty needs to not be a sort of a siloed adjunct to a business you need to have within a company a very interconnected approach to loyalty because it spreads across so many of the departments that who have should have an interest in it and should have a stake in it yeah and and and, and, and then when you get down to the data level data goes beyond the, the data is is part of every business nowadays it's the same as technology it's pervasive mm. so data is the responsibility of everyone in the company not just this little data team who we lock in a room somewhere who are solving <laughs> all our data problems with yeah. no input um and so and so these are some of the challenges that it's, it's part of the kind of evolution with, that we try to take our customers on which is that you've got to get these different groups talking and working together more closely yeah. to get those kind of results because it's great having the vision and the strategy, but very often those those strategies don't link yeah. in a meaningful way to what the to what the data folk are doing. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think there is a job to be done worldwide for all of us to be able to, to bring all of the departments departments, pardon me, together with, you know, traditionally, I suppose, um, exclusive KPIs around functional areas and align them all to a vision about customer loyalty. And first of all, being loyal to your customers, obviously, with the goal of driving behavior change and getting loyalty back from them. So it sounds like you're hearing the same thing, that there's still a lot of more collaboration and education internally required, particularly, I guess, coming in from your perspective where you're being brought in as external experts absolutely yeah. absolutely i think uh you know strategy is 20 of the process okay and the change management and the organizational realignment is 80 percent of the challenge yeah. that we often find ourselves trying to help uh, our customers to solve yeah my God. Yeah, that's uh, that's very clear. And I think, yeah, at least if you can start with that level of preparation psychologically for the business, actually, that definitely helps manage expectations in terms of what's going to be involved to, to get the whole thing moving in a way yeah. to live up to what customers are needing. Indeed. Great. Wow. Yeah. And then I suppose with, you know, almost a continuation down of that, but, you know, the fact that we do all have our own KPIs um, you know, there also has to, of course, be, you know, KPIs around the investment for the loyalty program itself. So, so how do you manage to, to get people aligned to, you know, I suppose, understanding what their core KPIs might be for building a program? So I think they vary by industry in terms of what you're trying to measure, but in, inevitably and in, 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 in this undoubtedly you're trying to drive up value for the business. So it's about finding the right track and the right measure that's going to show that. So that could be, you know, from a if you're in a hotel, that could be the number of room stays, the number of, you know, the average spend per stay. If you're in an airline that's you know it's the num it's the number of 
uh, bookings per period of time. When that's the you know financial services, it's the overall value of that that, that customer uh, has has with the brand. I mean, generally speaking. Um, we are always dri- driving towards some kind of measure of uh, customer score, customer customer value to the, back to the brand, and okay. how we track and track that that is growing as a result of being part of the loyalty program. And invariably, we're able to prove that through whichever measure that we land on. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, I'm quite a, I'm quite a fan of just having a core high score like a loyalty score where you can just say this is the numeric you know the numeric number of interactions i've had with that customer okay and you can correlate you can correlate that to spend so if i've touched yeah. that customer and talked talk to that customer three times and they've spent this much then i can say you know the amount of interactions i had with that customer translated it into x value yeah Absolutely. And and I like the simplicity of that approach, Dan, because, you know, I do hear a lot of people talking about so many measures. And, you know, I do like myself, I suppose, to understand, you know, just, um, I suppose, an emotional intention of the program. So, you know, just at a cultural level, like why why are we starting on this journey? But then I think you're absolutely right to put a measure alongside that, that everyone can kind of see how their department is contributing into that one overall metric. You know, something like an, an NPS score, for example, in my mind, that feels like it's something everybody can kind of share as an objective to build over the long term. Because let's be honest, loyalty is not a short term business. Um, I think we all think once the program's launched, you know, we've got the job done. But uh, I think it's only starting at that point, huh? Absolutely. And you're <laughs> right. And you're right. Uh, you know, attribution is always an exciting and fun discussion. Yeah. That we all have. The attribution across interdepartmental attribution is also. Yeah. yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. So you've got to boil it down to something that you can keep quite simple. And I think number of touches or number of touches that you've influenced, you know, whatever yeah. the way, the right way to be fair to the different parties involved. But 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 generally speaking, that is a core measure. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you've touched on emotional and yeah. um, move away from uh transactional into experiential loyalty because that's also a, yeah a topic I'm I'm very I'm very keen on. Yeah. Um I think it's one that people still are figuring out what that actually means to businesses. And I think that's an interest for me, that's yeah. an interesting theme of where we go because data data and emotion are somewhat diametrically opposed but we have to kind of come up with ways to score it mm-hmm. uh, and that's the challenge that we uh we're always working on trying to improve the way that we can score uh what are people's emotions within the program yes yeah no you alluded to it earlier dan and certainly on the show a few times we've talked about that being a huge objective but I guess when I think back, it's probably in, let's say, uh, markets like the UK, for example, I would hear that coming out a lot and, and in Europe. So 
it seems to be very clear, um, at least in that part of the world, that that's what's needed. Whereas, as you said, it still seems to be much more around in, in Asia, you know, at the risk of generalizing, more around instant gratification and, and how can I get more status and that kind of thing. So do you see that trend then for emotional loyalty as well in Asia Pacific? So in our most recent study in Asia, uh, the most investment in emotional uh, loyalty was quite low. Only a few percent of the people we surveyed are, are investing in okay. that as a theme. Mm-hmm. However, I see a very clear bridge from um, recognition to emotion. So I think that within the, market, the Asian market, having status, having that unlock, having access to things that money can't buy yeah. is what drives the emotional loyalty. It's the fact that you can say to your friend, I've got a black card that's going to get us into this, yeah. um, you know, queue jump to this restaurant, or I've got this special unlock that's going to get us into this bar that, you know, you've got to normally put down, mm. put down a three-month waiting list for. It's the, those types of things which we're starting to see more frequently um, as brands, particularly luxury brands uh, that have properties or have bars like hotels and things like that, start Mm. to try to drive more value from their existing assets. Mm -hmm. You know, they're creating, curating and creating some very interesting uh, concepts around sort of that gamified unlock Mm. Um, and that I think is a natural link to emotional, mm. emotional bond. Yeah. Like I said, the Chinese consumer wants to be friends with you. It doesn't want to interact with the brand. It wants to feel like it's doing business with the person. Yeah. So that in its very nature mm. is tending to emotional loyalty, but it's not as a concept. It's not, oh, we're trying to do emotional loyalty. It's really more about just creating more human like interactions. Well, I do like the the friend um, concept, Dan, because I do think a lot of people struggle with, you know, emotional loyalty just feels uh, difficult to measure, difficult to execute. Uh, how do you know how to do that? Like what actually is going to resonate? It's more than, you know, partnering with a charity or things that we might have done, you know, quite simplistically in the past. So I do think, you know, thinking of your customer or your member as a friend must change the shift in terms of how you execute and even i guess back to you know capturing data the big topic we've we've talked about already quite a lot but it must change how even you do that and then how you use it because i do agree you know the status um for big brands the opportunities are just extraordinary and i know you've started doing some work yourselves as collinson in china as well dan so i yes. do love to hear a bit about that because you know i love innovation <laughs> of course. So we've been working at Collinson, we've been working um with a few brands trying to take them into the China market. Um, one of our most recent ones was we've been working very closely with the hotel brand uh, Mandarin Oriental. Oh, nice. And so, yeah. And so as I said, it's you loyalty outside of China and loyalty inside China work very 
very differently in some regards because you've got different channels, different methods of access, but it's really all about WeChat going yeah. into China. So we've helped them to build their first kind of integrated mechanisms for taking that dialogue into the China market mm. and starting to build out those kind of in-the-moment experiences. And so where we want to go with this is that, you know, as you interact with that hotel, you're hearing more about what, what's available and you're hearing you're getting that kind of experiential dialogue with the mm. with the consumer. But then as they arrive on the hotel, they can have a digital experience with a, almost like a virtual concierge because, you know, you can scan a QR code yeah. and then have, go on, uh, you know, like a, an in-the-moment journey yeah. where it's, it'll talk you through what's available to you. And then at various moments during your stay, it's going to say, oh, hey, look, you know, maybe now it's time to have a drink on us or, you know, have some have some money off for your meal tonight because, you know, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It seems like that. It seems like building out these kind of on on property in the moment, in the moment experiences. So we're, we're, we're really excited to be working with them and to, to be helping them to advance them. Did you digitize loyalty 4.05 there? <laughs> their journey <laughs> wow loyalty 4.0 well certainly i would say dan that that does sound super exciting and if there's an opportunity and if mandarin oriental want to come on obviously once they've had some learnings from that they want to share that with our audience we would love to have them so um so super exciting so I think we've touched on loads, Dan. Um, I was particularly just interested, I suppose, as a final point on, you know, where you get all of your insights from, Dan, because it's great to have 15 years, especially pre-broadband. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. You're, you're um, you know, dating yourself now, uh, I suppose, with all of that. But just in terms of, I know you've got clients across, you know, financial services and super strong in travel and hospitality. But where do you go to then for, for loyalty insights, I suppose? Because, again, this audience loves to learn from you and from what you think. So, yeah, just any final thoughts you have on that would be very useful. I think we're very lucky at Collinson because not only do we do loyalty for our customers, but we own and operate our own very significantly large loyalty program, which is Priority Pass. Um, so yeah. that's we get to learn internally and externally, both yeah. as a supplier and a customer. Um, in terms of sources, for me, um, you know, the most common place I've come across things obviously is LinkedIn. There yeah. are hundreds of blogs I read, probably far too boring to list out here on today's call. Okay. Um, I love to participate in events. Um, in Hong Kong in particular, you know, the, the world, there's not been that many in the last year, but we, we participate in FinTech Week, in MarTech Week. Uh, in tech week wow. um, so for me I'm you know I'm doing all the geeky ones um, but uh, but really it, it, any means necessary so I think in-person interactions you always pick up small interesting yeah. pieces like then obviously the constant the constant search for content online you know we're awash with information yeah. uh, these days um, and then conversations like this uh, are yeah. great you know it's good to, it's good to share and I think um as loyalty professionals, I really appreciate the the opportunity to come and um, wax lyrical about my experience, and hopefully, someone will learn something from what I've said today. 
Well, honestly, it, it's a joy for me to, to have these conversations, Dan. So I've really enjoyed our conversations today. As I said, there's a hundred different directions uh, we could have taken it. Um, I'm assuming you're happy then if LinkedIn is somewhere you like to spend time, which clearly I do as well. Are you happy for people to reach out if we link, for example, to your profile, if they want to Absolutely. talk about any of these topics? Yeah. 100%. Let's talk loyalty anytime. <laughs> well said. <laughs> totally on brand. Great. I love it. Okay. On that note, I will say Dan Cantorna, Vice President of Data Insight and Technology for Asia Pacific at Collinson. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you so much. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.